Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. So is that a, is that a real fire or is that a virtual fire? Uh, no, it's a real fire. <laughs> yeah. uh, Stephen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, he's all about, he's the, he's the virtual man. I do go crazy on the virtual stuff, but uh, yeah, I suppose <laughs> I'd be taking the piss if I did that for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> How's oh, your cool studio, man? It's looking good. You gotta- oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. You can't see the other side. We won't show you that. But it's this chaos. <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> I turn the camera around. Uh-huh. We've actually got one of David's amazing bonsais here. We'd actually show him that one. Yeah. I'll show you at the end. I'll show you at the end. Yeah. It's uh, it's um, it's a it's a halfway house for bonsais at the moment. It's acting as a greenhouse slash studio. I love it. It's a multi multi functional room. Got to be done, eh? It has. So what's what's been happening over in New Zealand? I mean, well, we all know that COVID's ruined everyone's everyone's last well twelve months. Well, it's over twelve apart months from now. New Zealand. Apart from New Zealand, you guys got it right, more right than anyone else. I think Australia did well, but you guys did better. Yeah, it's. I mean, I got back in August. Uh, I was living in Las Vegas in America. Uh, got back in August. Uh, Mum was quite sick, so um, I sort of decided to come over here to support the family. And I think when I when I came back, exactly when I had to do my two weeks isolation, Auckland went into another two week isolation. So we all did that together, and uh, yeah. And since then, you know, there's been tiny little lockdowns and that. But yeah, life. I mean, we're pretty lucky over here. You know, life is life is pretty normal. You know, we've um, been going to the you know the sports games and you know to the stadiums, and you know that was a little bit hard because we really enjoyed that in America. You know, with all the uh, ice hockey and basketball. I mean, that's just part of their culture. And for mm. that all stop, uh, that was that was pretty tough over there. So, I mean, we need to be entertained, especially if we're locked up, aren't we? But you know, but, yeah. you know the world's the world. The world, I think, won't go back. I don't think exactly how it was, but I think there's been some positives that have come out of it. But, yeah, yeah it's absolutely. And did you have um, the same sort of, and I'm assuming the answer to this question is going to be yes, but in terms of just this voracious appetite for cosmetic procedures, people wanting to get their wrinkles treated and get their skin treatments done. I know Jake was inundated with with text messages and requests and pleas and, and begging for people <laughs> to look after them during that process. And then when we came out, it just seemed like there was no end to the demand. Did you have similar sorts of things over in New Zealand? Yeah, I mean, again, I I'm sort of mainly um, more familiar with the American UK market. Uh, a couple of the doctors that I know here that run cosmetic clinics in New Zealand, uh, yeah, they've look they they've enjoyed um, you know still the demand. I think you know as 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 you guys know, there, there was always the saying of uh, people will always spend money on food and vanity, and I think you know during COVID, I think people were trying to find these home remedies, what they could buy online to beautify themselves, to turn back the clock. So I think some of those companies that somewhat gimmicky, you know, were selling products um, to sort of, you know, around the beauty market, 
I think, cashed in a little bit. But yeah, now the the clinics have all gone back. I mean, it's I mean, it's crazy busy. A number of my clients in the US, they are booked up till about October, November. Uh, so they uh, they are, yeah, as I say, really busy. And I think, you know, again, it's been tricky because people have had to, uh, the clinics have had to adapt, haven't they? And, you know, they have these, they haven't had people in the waiting rooms. They've been calling them in from from their vehicles, from the car park. And, and so I think they were only able to see probably 50% of their capacity to what they've done. But yeah, now everything's sort of gone back. I mean, with the US, they just go for it, you know, and <laughs> they're straight back into, you know, yeah, normal work. When we were doing our research, I was trying to pin down what exactly it is that you do to explain <laughs> to our listeners. And you're so multifaceted. Uh, you've modeled previously. You're in TV. You've got the My Face, My Body website, My Face, My Body Awards. Um, tell us what you do. <laughs> and you're a male grooming expert. Yes. And you're a male grooming <laughs> expert, of course, which is the topic of today yeah. as well. Yes. And you're a master <laughs> ceremonies. I forgot to add that in. <laughs> renaissance man uh, yeah so i my, my background's all uh, marketing and media and uh, it was about uh 15 years ago when i was in the uk i got into the medical aesthetic sector and i had worked for a couple of other companies like filler companies um and it sort of it got me in, in, into the industry and then about 13 years ago i set up uh, my face, my body. Um, originally, we were doing video production, so we did that for under Handy Productions. We did that for seven years, filmed probably about seventy thousand videos across the globe for wow. medical practices and cosmetic clinics. Uh, my face, my body was uh, just sort of a pet pet project. I had a lot of friends that had uh, surgery or treatments go wrong, so I wanted to put a consumer website out there. It wasn't really anything. Um, out there in the UK. So it was a big education website, but it was very much more focused around video content. Mm -hmm. uh, so it then just sort of dovetailed nicely into doing an online TV show. And again, no one sort of had done that. And in our first season, it got picked up by Sky Living uh, Television in the UK. Um, and then I did uh, six years with Sky and then the last year on Bravo uh, in uh, the US. And the television show, again, was all about educating uh, the consumers on safe treatments, where they could go for you know, um, safe practice. Um, and I injected a lot of personality into these TV shows. So a lot of the, you know, I had doctors, wellness experts, and we, we did lots of cool things. And you probably would have seen on my website, I, I've done lots of stunts, you know, on horses and jumping out of planes and, and all sorts to... to sort of educate the consumers in a fun, interactive way, but it was our myth-busting series. Um, and then sort of about six years ago, got into the uh, men's lifestyle sector and so did a lot um, on TV, radio, um, print, uh, just educating males. It was a real passion of mine. And, you know, again, we can you will get more into that in terms of the modern male mindset. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, and again, again, just running alongside all my personal interests in presenting and uh, I've had uh, My Face, My Body, which became a sort of marketing and media company and we did um, created digital solutions for companies um, in the medical space all over the world and recently the Unite, which is this virtual conferencing, virtual clinic uh, type of experiences um, just before COVID. So it was good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the, the plane jumping episode, I read that you, you strapped two breast implants to you and jumped out of a plane to uh, prove how strong they were. I mean, 
was that the backup plan if the uh, parachute failed or what was (laughs) (laughs) I would bounce off the ground right yeah yeah yeah, it was it was interesting because I I I loved that myth around uh, breasts expanding or you know exploding in in high altitudes and it was really it was actually an April Fool's joke with um, air hosties because a lot of them were getting you know breast implants and in America you know the a lot was 80%, 90% of the, the breast implants back then were sailing. Uh, so, you know, they did you have air pockets and, and some burst and stuff. So it was just wow. a fun way of me strapping the biggest implants I could find with uh, <laughs> my friend's big pink lacy bra, jumping out of a plane, strapping it with duct tape just to see, um, yeah, if they would burst. But it wasn't a proper test, but I, it was all in the papers around the world and, and a lot of them focused on, you know, did one of the implants fall out and hit a cow? Did you, you know, like, did you kill anyone on the way down or something like that? But yeah, it was, it made a big impact. It had millions of views on it. It was quite funny. Brilliant. And then, so how or why did you pivot to male grooming and, and the, the male aesthetic? I mean, we must have spoken about it on the podcast many, many times that, you know, your average clinic or your average medispa probably only sees five, maybe 10% of men if they're lucky. So, you know, give us a bit of background into how and why you fell into that. Yeah, I sort of fell into it because when I was sort of becoming a spokesperson um, in the UK around beauty, uh, there was a lot of a lot of women talking about beauty. There was a lot of, I suppose, a lot of competition out there. Uh, so I decided that, do you know what? I think there's a lot of men out there that need need help. And I sort of really had a, a passion. And, and again, you know, we we talk about this. I call it the modern male mindset, which which covers everything. You know, male grooming really sort of incorporates and encompasses, you know, style, etiquette. Um, you know, it's how we groom, groom ourselves. And, and my father really was uh, the backbone and my inspiration to um, start going into the male market. My, my father's father, they had a big um, fashion. Uh, it was called Handyside's Fashion Corner for 50 years. And, um, and my father's just the true gentleman. So that's why I sort of got more into the male market. And there was a real need out there with the press. They wanted an expert to come in. And just make comments, you know, on radio. I, I still do BBC radio at three in the morning. Wow. And, um, you know, they ask me about all sorts of, usually their topics are a little bit, you know, out there, you know, in terms of male maintenance. And, you know, they, they like to have a bit of a joke about it. But, you know, a- again, um, I've, been, I've been quite lucky and fortunate to sort of get in there early and sort of become that spokesperson. Yeah. And now when you sort of say the word male or the, the phrase male grooming, what are we actually talking about? Are we talking about your hair, your clothes, or was it sort of all encompassing shoes? I mean, just break it down for us. What does the term actually mean? Yeah, male grooming, initially it was really around your typical sort of, you know, uh, grooming in, in terms of hair, skin, uh, but then it sort of really has been stretched out to cover style you know, etiquette, a whole range of, uh, of different things and and just how fast the, the market is really moving and, and we see more and more males getting involved um, in the grooming sort of area. But I suppose most, uh, mostly people would know grooming and attach it to people with beards and, you know, beard oils and, and all of this sort of stuff. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. And um, yeah, so it, it does male grooming. It's, it's the hair, the skin, 
Um, but again, it's it's it is that broader term, which in in my definition, it covers a whole range, you know, style, etiquette, and things like that. With your background, <clears throat> when you were doing modelling, have you seen a shift in the male perception of of how they want to appear and, and look after themselves? Are we getting better? Is basically what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's been a, a a huge mind mind shift. I think the younger generation, in particular, you know, the ones that are under thirties, you know, the, in the twenties and the teens and stuff, it's very interesting seeing what what they're doing. Um, they're getting very sort of creative. I mean, the younger generation or even, you know, the younger males are, are wearing makeup um, and, you know, they're very conscious about the way they look. I think still that, you know, that 40 plus, um, because there's a lot more branding around, there's, you know, specific products, there's specific locations males can go to. It has become a lot more uh, acceptable um, for, you know, the, the more mature male. Um, but again, you know, you do have those, men that just will never change and they'll go, no, I just want that bar of soap, you know, I'll scrub, scrub my face with a bar of soap and you're just never <laughs> going to change that perception. But, you know, the rugby boys down at the changing rooms, I mean, like when I, I used to play a lot of rugby in New Zealand and they would always, you know, tease me about being in this sector and it's really interesting now that they come to me and say, hey, um, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, their skincare like a friend's using, you know, could you recommend you know, a good product that I could use. I mean, I get it all the time and it makes me laugh. But I said, I knew it. I knew you were going to transform yeah. <laughs> into a, a modern male. <laughs> it's funny, actually. It's the same for me. When I first started injectables, it was uh, 2008. And a lot of yeah. my friends, you know, and, and doctors and, and people who weren't doctors, they sort of thought it was cool, but a bit funny, just a bit a bit weird, maybe a bit feminine in some ways because I was mainly seeing women. And now they've hit their 40s, so David and I are 40 as well. Um, they're sort of going, hey, I, I've noticed you don't really have any wrinkles and and, and I do. So, you know, what, what can I yeah. do about that? So it's, it's sort of caught up with them eventually. Yeah, and I think, I think the aesthetic treatments, I mean, again, that has really been my background. And, and so I speak more from an aesthetic point of view whenever I'm, I'm doing interviews because a lot of the TV shows I used to host predominantly it was aesthetic experts like yourselves um, that would come on and, and talk and we would demo different types of treatments. But, you know, I, I think what's been really interesting, I mean, I know it's been a little bit, you know, men, is it aimed at, at the gay males? No, it's not. You know, I mean, it's just your everyday male now um, is actually having treatments. And I was down uh, in a men's salon the other day. And uh, again, I, I get a, a manicure and a pedicure, you know, every, every couple of months. And, you know, there's guys sitting next to me and, and I always love asking, I said, oh, what do you do? And, and you know, one of them was a builder. Another one was a lawyer, you know, and, and it's, it, it's interesting, you know, I would have thought a builder, but, you know, they're always working outside, they're cracked hands, you know, um, you know, they need it just as much as anyone else. So it, it is really changing. And this is in New Zealand, you know, like, you know, the uh, mainly known for our sheep and, you know, farming and then things like that. So, I mean, it's uh, for guys to start thinking about the way they look and, and manicure and pedicures and yeah. good on them. Yeah. When you said sheep, the first thing I didn't think of was farming, but we'll just leave that one there. But yeah. um, <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking about the male uh, mindset changing and, and blokes being more comfortable getting these treatments done and I guess talking about them and, and sharing their experiences and coming and asking people like yourself, but what about women? I think that may be one of the fear of, of the 
the sort of the straight guy was, well, what are the women going to think about me if I'm getting a, ma- a manicure and, you know, paying more attention to the way I look, look at myself in the mirror more than you do? Is that going to be an issue? Do you think that women's mindsets are changing and becoming more accepting of men looking to have these treatments as well? Yeah, look, I, you know, I get so many people writing in um, to when we had the show going and then on social media. And a lot of it's from women and they're just, they go, look, I applaud you. You know, I really want my man to be doing what you're talking about, you know, having that skin facial. And I, I, women love it. They, they love a guy that is well-polished, well-groomed, you know, tidy, you know, clean manicured nails, you know, no, no dirt underneath, you know, good looking, you know, skin, a good, good ta- you know, good tailored suit. They, they like that. But Again, you don't have to go out and buy the most expensive products. You don't have to go buy the most expensive suit. It's just about being sharp and being conscious of, you know, of the way you look. Because I think even when I was growing up when I was younger, you do get sloppy. You think, well, surely they they can't, you know, see the shoes I'm wearing. I mean, what was really interesting was I, I did this survey as part of my TV show, and we got a hundred girls. We interviewed them, and I said, what are the top five things that they look at? Um, when when a guy comes through the through the door for the first time, what what, what do they really focus on? Um, and they, I was gobsmacked. They said shoes. Shoes. Seventy yeah. percent of them said shoes was the number one thing they looked at. And and then it was uh, the eyes. It was the mouth. So the teeth. Uh, it was the hands, and also just the overall body. You know, physique. But it was funny growing up. I always I always never took. You know. Um, uh, time to think about the shoes. You know, I, I thought, who who's looking at my feet? But no, apparently that's one of the first things I look at. So no, <laughs> girls um, and women, they they appreciate guys that make an effort. You've obviously never looked in a woman's uh, wardrobe or or, or or sort of cupboard at <laughs> yeah. home. It's about 4,000 <laughs> pairs of shoes. So they're just reflecting what they like onto, onto their man, I guess. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll just let it be known that Jake has a very strong shoe game. <laughs> very strong. <laughs> Well, I was also lucky that hair wasn't on the list, David. You're, you're still in the game, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, touching what you said before about men who who are really quite basic, you know, using soap for their face and, and not really caring or knowing. What, what? I mean, this is a bit of a basic question, but what should? What What are your things that men should be possibly doing that they could easily do that they they're not? I.e., what should be in their bathroom? What are the common things that they could just up their game on? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, number one is is skin, right? And it again, guys don't like too many options. I think initially when there wasn't specific products for males or we go into the, you know, into the retail stores and you just see so many products and you just don't know where to start. And I think, you know, if you can keep it simple, and I always say um, for guys, you know, having a, a cleanser, a, mo- a good moisturizer, a vitamin C product and an eye cream, um, I think that's it's good a, a good product portfolio to begin with, and then you can obviously add add your products. Sunscreen, um, as you know from Australia, New Zealand, I mean, sunscreen is the biggest preventer of um, aging, right? Mm. Uh, wearing sunscreen, you know, even in the winter to um, you know protect our skin. And again, a lot of the some of the moisturizers obviously do have uh, you know sunscreen, you know, in the products, which which helps. But yeah, I think on the skin side, um, for sure. Um, again, you know, nails. Just making sure that 
that they're manicured. You don't have to go to a salon, but you know, just making sure your nails are clean. Unwanted hair. Um, I always <laughs> laugh because uh, my my father's friend. I hope he's not. I don't think he'll listen to this, but he's um he's got these bushy eyebrows, and I'm just thinking, has his wife told him? Like surely, because <laughs> she's like very presentable and i've got this feeling that she's given him so much grief about it he's just putting his you know foot in down. <laughs> you know i'm not doing it because you want me to do it but yeah i think unwanted here you know the eyebrows you know the the, the the long hair you know that's straying or you know the the hair in your ears or your nostrils and stuff i think it's good just to be mindful and and to tidy that up and uh again guys you know down below as well, you know, you don't want that to sort of go crazy and, you know, want to keep that sort of nicely groomed. <laughs> yeah, keep it under control. Couldn't agree yeah. more. I mean, you know, I know you don't go to a barber because you cut or you shave your own head, yeah. but when I go to my barber, I mean, I'll tell him, but if I forget, he'll say eyebrows and I'm like, yep, yeah, go for it. So go to a good barber, you know, you don't have to know all these things yourself. Surely, uh, you know, when you're getting your hair cut, your barber should be saying, geez, your your eyebrows need trimming. And if they don't, then you need to change your barber, I would suggest. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I don't actually trim my eyebrows. I, I wait till I go to the hairdressers. And the first couple of times it was a bit, you know, awkward. I was like, oh, do you mind, uh, you know, cutting uh, a few of the, the strays? But yeah, most of them will, will do it if they see it. But, I, you know, it's more than acceptable, you know, to, to ask for them to just, you know, trim away. Not yeah. sure about the nose, the nostril hairs. They'll do that, but they'll definitely do the ears. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I've, I've I've got to be um pretty uh, pretty watchful on my eyebrows. If I leave them for a couple of weeks, looks like two caterpillars died on my face. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you if that ever happens. Don't you worry. That's awesome. <laughs> now, Stephen, you you opened up the can of worms, so let's just um, finish this off down below. What are you suggesting? What what's what's on vogue for men at the moment? What's the style? <laughs> what's the style? Well, it's not as creative as women like the strip, the Hollywood, and and all, all of this sort of thing. So I think it's just for males. Is is I think well, I, we had a an a really interesting conversation I was with a few of my mates. This was probably a year and a half ago. And, and one of the guys, uh, he, he looked like he was in a bit of pain and he, he uses beat. Um, oh, he left it off oh. for too long. Completely wipe out, you know, have the baby, baby smooth, uh, down below. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so we had the, the girls came over later on and, and so we had this, this huge conversation. I said, lady, surely, you don't want someone that's, you know, bald as a badger, you know, you'd want, you know, to feel like, you know, it's, you know, not a young boy, it's a man, you know, and, <laughs> and half the girls, no, they were like, no, love, don't, don't want the hair down below. And then the other girls go, yeah, but it's got to be maintained. So I think, you know, again, clippers, but you've just, uh, again, got to be, got to be careful. You don't, you don't cut yourself and you're not in a hurry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and don't leave that veet on for too long. I've made that mistake before once as well, and that uh, that didn't go well. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the ice pack. The, the ice pack came out. Yeah. It was. I'm, I'm just wondering. You own four laser and no, this, hair no, clinics. No. This, this was prior to that. Uh, this, <laughs> okay. this, this was about 15, 20 years ago, and uh, yeah. So, are you now a fan of the oh, laser? I'm all, I'm all about the laser now, but I do it myself. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Do you have a laser safety officer yeah, certificate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah make sure you post that one. I think that'd be that'd be good. I think guys would want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there's another option. You can get now these um, waterproof clippers, if you like, but they're more for the body. So you can just go in the shower and yeah. do it. I recommend yeah. it, guys. So it's 
So you said it's 50-50 between manicured and completely bald. Did you say it was that, that was a split? Was it 50 women said nothing and then 50% said yes, but manicured? Was that was that the split? Co- correct. Uh, but in terms of my friends that did the VEAT thing, there was only one out of the five five of us that did it. You know, the rest of us just, you know, use scissors or clippers just to, just to trim down below. But yeah. yeah, he was the only one. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe again, men are not uh, being honest. But uh, I, I think it's a good representation. I think there's a bit of fear out there, but again, maybe go to a, a men's salon and, and get the professionals to do it right. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and so um, when it comes to the wardrobe, so we know shoes, shoes, it's all about shoes, but what about what about from there? What are the other well, sort Hold on, of, let's explore, oh, yeah. let's explore uh, I can't speak, explore shoes. So yeah, okay. what, what's cool and trendy these days? I'm, I'm 40 and I can't remember the last time I bought a, a proper pair of shoes. I tend to yeah. live in sort of com- comfort trainers and yeah. less fancy things now. So tell us, Stephen. Look, I, I think, you know, a guy should always have, you know, obviously a pair of dress shoes, you know, black or brown. I, I usually like having black or brown uh, just to change things up. Uh, boot, boots as well. Um, you know, I think they look really sharp, especially, you know, with jeans and, and a nice shirt and, a you know, a, a smoker jacket or, um, also I think, you know, just, just casual shoes as well. Uh, I know this, I mean, there's so many different types of shoes you can get sneakers, um, not so much sneakers, but you know, some, some nice boat shoes or something like that. If, um, if you want to go a little bit more casual or the, uh, what are they? My mind's gone blank. Uh, without the socks, you know, the, um, the, the moccasins. Yeah. 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 I thought you were going to say um, Crocs then for a second. <laughs> Crocs. <laughs> You're not Crocs. There's a like that for sure. Um, yeah. So definitely have that in your, in your wardrobe. And I think, you know, you can dress it up, dress it down. Uh, again, you know, I, I think in New Zealand and Australia, well, I know the Australians have got a bad rep for wearing jeans and Jeans and flip flops, right? And uh, <laughs> we're just no shoes walking we, around the shopping no mall with no yeah. shoes. I we, still can't get my head around that. We call them pluggers here in Australia. Pluggers, pluggers. Why? Oh, that's just the the sort of the slang word for so th- we got thongs or pluggers, depending on where in Australia you're from. I think from, ah. if you're up in Queensland, I think they call them pluggers. I've, I've learned a new word today. Yeah, well, because the little bit of rubber plug, it's like a plug that goes into the into the thong. So into the <laughs> yeah, I think that's why they call them pluggers. <laughs> flip flops, flip flops, very yeah. British. Flip flops. Well, well, you call them jandals in in New Zealand, we, don't you? We call them. I I was gonna easily say jandals then, but I I took a pause and I was <laughs> trying to relate to my counterparts in yeah. Australia. Uh, so you understood me. Flip- yeah. Flops, yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we call them jandals. Fair enough. So we've done the shoes. What about um, three-piece suit versus two-piece suit? What's in? Oh, see, it's different in different countries. In England, it's all about the three-piece suit. Um, I'm all about the three-piece suit. I absolutely love it. So even when I went to Australia and I was going to a number of those uh, cosmetic meetings that you guys attend, I wore a three-piece suit, you know, I, I loved it, but obviously everyone else was not wearing anything close to a three-piece <laughs> suit. Uh, but, I, you know, in, in England, it, it is very sort of that old-school gentleman, uh, but you can I, – I just – I that's what I love about England. I like – and that's where the modern male mindset sort of came into it. It was about bringing the old-school gentleman back with a modern twist, but it was – you can look super sharp with a three-piece suit, a tailored suit, um, you know, if you can afford it. Um, I, I would never go back to not having tailored suits and shirts and, and things like that. You really do feel different. You just can't put on too much weight. Otherwise, <laughs> that's going to be an issue with a tailored. Uh, um, 
But I would say, you know, America, um, again, uh, guys over there, you know, they, I think gone are the ties really. I mean, they, in America, they do, uh, wear the suit. They don't wear a three piece. Um, a lot of guys aren't wearing ties, uh, much anymore, you know, especially in New Zealand and Australia. Um, that I feel like that's sort of gone a little bit and even, even the sort of the, the suit trousers, you know, guys are wearing sort of nice jeans, nice denim jeans with a crisp white shirt and, uh, you know, a nice, a nice jacket. Um, and I think, you know, you can't, can't go wrong with a, a pocket square as well. Just, uh, you know, to, to jazz it up a little, a little bit more. Bit. What's that? Uh, just to jazz it up a little bit more. Sorry. Yeah. You can, you can put it down and this one's actually stitched into the pocket so I can disappear and then, you know, pop it up. So, you know, cause the, I mean, I found like if I had an, a separate pocket square, I'd always lose it. And it's just another thing to think about, you know, for accessories, but you know, again, guys, you know, having a nice, a nice dress watch, um, you know, like a pocket square or, you know, just, just to sort of jazz things up a little bit, it's quite nice, but you know, guys can go too bling bling and it just looks a little bit, um, over the top. And yeah, there is certain people that do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, funny. Um, so- David used to work more in the corporate world, and he's got a whole bunch of fancy suits he used to wear. And I've never seen him in one. And then oh. at the Christmas party, he turned up in this suit. It was like a Tom Ford suit or something. And I was like, "You look weird." <laughs> I've just never seen him in a suit before. He looked good, Beautiful. but he just, you know, in Australia, it's much more informal. Um, I can't think of a single occasion where I'd need to wear a suit. I, I really can't. Funeral, wedding. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think you're right with the, the culture. Whereas in the UK, even my injector friends, they're in three-piece suits. And I'm like, wow, I mean, it, you look great. But for me, it's too fussy because I'm, I'm not in that sort of role now. Well, I'm in that role, but I'm not in that sort of environment anymore. Australia is much you, more laid back. You will, you will be surprised that I'm, I'm telling now for any men that are out there, um, you know, especially from Australia, but girls appreciate a well-dressed guy because a lot of guys, I find New Zealand and Australia, don't make the effort. And I just think if, if you've got some nice dress shoes, jeans, a nice white shirt, and, you know, a jacket, oh, I, girls appreciate it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you can't go wrong. Um, and I'm not saying you have to do that all the time, right? But just if, if, if you are going out for dinner or something like that or to a nice bar, then it is well appreciated. Like a lot of women will come up and compliment you on they go, wow, you know, I wish my man would do that. <laughs> That's or, probably oh, why wow, I don't do it because I'm married. Now, <laughs> yeah. With two kids. I can't remember the last time I went to a bar or a club. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. It, it, it does look, you know, it's like a woman who, who occasionally, you know, really dresses up. A guy would appreciate it. Of course they would. So I'm yeah. guessing it's the same the other way around. Yeah. Um, so what about things like, well, we're going to, might as well talk about this now in terms of, so we've spoken about skincare and, um, bathroom essentials and wardrobe essentials, but then you know the industry that we're both in is the aesthetic industry. So we're talking about things like Botox and fillers and sort of laser treatments and so on. So what's sort of happening from from your perspective in terms of the trends and and sort of what guys are after? And we'll get onto it as well in terms of the the size of the male market, which traditionally has been quite small, but it, it seems to be on seems to be on the up. So what what are you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, again, having having sort of lived in different countries, you know, from you know Europe to America to you know Australasia, um, yeah, I, I, I across the board, it's interesting, you know, wrinkle relaxing injections, you know, fillers have become really sort of popular, you know, for for, for men, and it's again, men are are really out there. They want to, especially that sort of, I find that men that 
are sort of 35 plus that want to have that refresh, you know, like they've, they've had a difficult situation. Maybe it's a divorce or it's a change of job. And I find, you know, we get a lot of these men writing in all the time. They're like, what can I do? And, and a lot of the time, you know, they've lost volume in their face. And, and so I, I, I see the, the, you know, the fillers, um, being quite popular, uh, for males, um, laser hair removal, uh, again, um, quite popular, the younger generation, funny enough, uh, in England, they were, uh, starting to, the ones that could grow facial hair were starting to use lasers to, to start sculpting their beards and stuff. So I don't know what will happen, you know, if they, they want to grow that grizzly beard later <laughs> on, cause you know, it's probably not going to happen, but, um, yeah, so lasers, I would say, you know, skincare, body sculpting, uh, again, like with, I suppose BTL with their M sculpt, you know, uh, that has been really popular, uh, cool sculpting, um, and the Vaser high definition, that's, it's a bit more of a, an expensive product, but you know, I don't, I'm not sure if you've got it over there in, in Australia, but you know, it's, it looks pretty, you know, it can look really good if it's not overdone. Um, I don't know if you remember Mark Lyons, I think it was, you know, the paparazzi, uh, Australian, paparazzi cameraman who was on big brother in in the uk he had them sort of chiseled in didn't he yeah <laughs> and, he, and he got overweight and he looked like one of the ninja turtles um <laughs> yeah. that sort of gave it a, that sort of gave it a bad name uh, but, yeah. <laughs> and then um hair treatments uh so i think you know with regards to hair treatments you know i think with some of the celebrities as well like we really sort of saw a change what was it about maybe eight eight years ago when Wayne Rooney had a hair transplant procedure that really transformed the male market and got the awareness out there. And a lot of, a lot of guys were, were getting, you know, looking into hair restoration, but I mean, you look at what PRP stem cells and, and, you know, fantastic new treatments um, for hair growth. And I think we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot at the moment uh, on the global conferencing stage a lot more people are presenting about these new innovations to, to hair growth and restoration. In your travels, and um, be interesting to see what you sort of thought in America versus Australasia, is the male market the same? Is it still, you know, five, maybe 10% at best? Or, or are there pockets where it's quite different? Maybe, you know, San Francisco, California, LA? Yeah, I would I would say it's, it's up around, it's always bounced around 10 to 20%. Okay. Um, I think it's it's a higher percentage for those clinics uh, or those you know institutions that make the effort to start targeting males with the right marketing, with the right messaging. Those are the ones that will have upwards of sort of maybe 30, 35%. Uh, I know, and I think again, I think we're going to discuss this, but you know, having different areas of their their clinics where the males you know, love certain things with their experience, you know, whether that's a sports TV or making guys feel comfortable. But I, I see more and more of these dedicated men's spas, salons, you know, barbers that are getting more into sort of aesthetic types of uh, services. They're the ones obviously that have a hundred percent, you know, male uh, target audience. And again, you know, and I think, we're going to see more and more of that. And I think guys are, are really going to start going to those places where they can feel pampered and feel, feel secure and confident in their own sense, you know, and in that type of environment. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of wondered, there's a couple around Sydney. Um, I think one's called man cave yeah. and 
there's probably at least one other, but I don't know. I, I, I've never been, so I can't really comment, but it always felt a little, almost too manly like you know you get a whiskey and you can sit like you said in a room and there's a pool table and it's like this is like being a man on steroids it was just kind of like too much i just want a normal clinic that offers a good service that is neither masculine nor feminine but maybe that's just me i don't know gender neutral yeah yeah i i don't know i mean i i personally i love going into a male dedicated uh salon or spa or clinic i i just think it's the best because you know and again you'll start to see uh in america for example i went in for a facial and they while i was getting a facial they did a shoe shine uh on my you know my shoes i mean it's just and i, I think you know these these dedicated male salons are gonna start to grow out there out their service it's always going to be a one-stop shop mm-hmm. um but look I, I think you know you can be gender neutral absolutely you know it's it, you can really grow your male market but i think there's a number of things you can do quite uh quite cleverly uh, strategically in terms of drawing in that male market mm-hmm. so the term um metrosexual came about in around 1984 and it was like this this new term that came out and it was like it, uh, it sort of allowed men or gave men permission to start caring a bit more about how they look and start getting treatments or starting to be, you know, conscious of grooming. So what's happened between 1984 and 2021 in terms of how that sort of progress has sort of come along and what's the term we're using now? Is, I mean, is, is that still a relevant term? Yeah, the, I, I haven't heard it when it sort of first started appearing, you know, the metrosexual male. Uh, maybe it's because I've just focused yeah. on more of the modern male. Um, that that's my term. Yeah, David but, Beckham, again, I think, made it quite famous. Around, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very. I mean, it's this, it's a very similar thing, isn't it? But yeah, I think we are just as influenced. With we like, I feel pampering just as much as as women today. If you looked at some of the uh, the statistics on what how much men are spending on products versus women it's it's not far behind now um and you know i think also celebrities have really sort of driven you know influence on you know what people should be having maybe as treatments i mean you look at obviously the kardashians and stuff i mean that's been huge for the you know the female market especially the younger generation but i think as well you know you look at some of these celebrities some of them i mean i you probably saw the friends um, reunion, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Ross was pretty frozen, uh, but you know, like <laughs> the guys, guys can, you know, some of these celebrities, they look so good and they've obviously had work done. And I think, you know, it does give our industry a good name and, and what you guys are doing, you know, I think we always talk about less is more, isn't it? And, you know, you can really transform someone and, and, and make them look, you know, extremely good. And I think, yeah, the metrosexual male, I think, has sort of given a label to guys to say, do you know what? There are men out there that are going out there spending money on getting a nice suit or getting nice shoes or going looking after their skin. It's it's not a taboo. Um, it's not, you know, you know, men men are men. You know, like we like. But again, it was always I questioned it many years ago in New Zealand. And I did uh, one of my first shows and I did, I went out onto the beach in New Zealand and I was asking people questions, men and females about what they did for their, uh, their regime, their skincare regime. And, 
and most of the guys were like, oh, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, wear, you know, any skin cream. You know, I, I steal my women's, uh, you know, moisturizer and stuff. But I'm telling you now, it's it's actually done a th- a 180 because you know I now hear of women stealing males' products because the males, the products have got really good, and you know some of the guys I know in their bathrooms, you know, they've they've actually got a nice dedicated section where they've got all their products. They're very proud. They have all their products labeled out. Their aftershaves and and you know, and I think it, it has changed, and I think guys are more confident about it, you know, and they're they're, they're speaking about it as well. Who are the male um, influencers or, or celebrities who are, you know, sort of um, making men think, I, w- I want to aspire to him? I mean, you mentioned Kardashians for women, but we never hear of male yeah. sort of influences, or I don't know. Anyway. No, well, I mentioned David Beckham, but he's probably a little bit dated now. But, I mean, he was someone that I think a lot of guys were looking at going, oh, you know, he dresses well, he's always got a new funky hairstyle, and he looks like he looks after his skin and... It's like the 1990s. Yeah, but I, don't, I guess you're right. I can't think of it. I don't know. Jason Momoa? I don't know. <laughs> Who else is there? I think the George Clooney. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he rocks it. And, uh, you know, because I started to get a lot of gray hair myself, you know, people yeah. go, oh, here's a George Clooney. And, and, but I think he, he he's good. You know, he, he looks classy. Um, you know, he, he looks like he, he probably has had work done, you know, to, to but he looks like he's aged gracefully as well. You know, he's embraced it. Um, but as, as you say, I mean, it's, again, it is about, it's not about looking 10 years younger now, is it? it I mean, it's, it's about how good can we look for our age? Obviously it's great if, if we can, you know, look slightly younger, but it's, it's not, we don't want people to say, Hey, what, have, what have you had done? It's like, wow, you look amazing. You know, what's, mm. what's, what's been going on in your life. And, you know, and I think as I mentioned, and I go back to it is, you know, I see a lot of the, the males that. I see writing in is that 35 plus, which they, they just are crying out for expert comments or advice on what they should be doing to change things up, you know, to, you know, and again, it's usually driven by if they've, you know, just gone through a breakup or they're changing jobs and they're like, how can I be competitive in that workplace? Uh, so they are looking for, you know, these types of aesthetic treatments. The I wouldn't say, you know, like quick fixes, but, you know, again, we do need that, that help. I'm a big promoter of, of aesthetics, you know, like I'm, I'm right into my fitness. I think you've got to have a good diet as well. But again, you know, I think with the body sculpting stuff like M sculpt and things like that, I think it's, it's great. You know, yeah. I think it just accelerates things. Well, both Jake and I have had the M sculpt treatments done. We actually had the Neo, which yeah. is the new piece of equipment. Took me about after the first session, like I got the hang of it. I realized that I had to sort of flex when the, the contractions were coming because otherwise it felt like someone was ripping my intestines out of my body but <laughs> yeah, other than, yeah. after I got past that it was actually really really tolerable and I've had good results from it and I think Jake's had pretty good I mean he he doesn't take his shirt off in front of me too much these days but I mean <laughs> he's, why he's would t- I <laughs> I'm in a podcast <laughs> no it, it, I, I, I certainly echo that and you know and the good thing or why I think that appeals particularly to men is yes of course it's going to give you potentially a better body but it's so easy it's not fussy yeah there's no gel or 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 any kind of sort of messing around you just put a paddle on lie there for half an hour and you go home yeah so yeah i I think yeah m sculpt particularly was uh quite attractive for me have you had the treatment done steven yeah i had it when i was uh in australia i've I've done some work with with btl with gareth um, yeah 
Yeah, with Gareth. Yeah, he's uh, he's a great guy. He's a yeah. good friend of ours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a good friend of Shout yours. Shout out to Gareth. Yeah, he's good. He a lot a lot of bars in Sydney like Gareth. He's <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, he's a very generous man. Yeah, he just goes back and puts his uh, you know his M sculpt on him, and he just burns it. You know, the next day, lucky guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had a, had a product launch when they were sort of just launching it. I can't remember like a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago. Brilliant. Now, what are some of the common things that men do badly? when it comes to their presentation or fashion or, you know, aesthetic? Yeah, I think, again, I think it's guys not really spending enough time on their presentation in terms of looking too scruffy. Uh, you know, again, I think you need to double check yourself, especially if you're, you know, going in, if you're in a, in the work environment and you, you're going to be doing a presentation. I mean, I've been called out a couple of times, you know, in terms of, you know, my shirts come untucked or, you know, and, and I think it's just that attention to detail, which I think, you know, guys sort of guys, guys forget, um, too much aftershave. I, I <laughs> too much you know, aftershave. Interesting. Okay. You know, someone, you know, you want to make a first impression and when someone walks through the door, you know, you, you've got those seconds to make an impression, but when the guy <laughs> comes in and it's just like, Whoa, you've definitely made an impression, but you know, not, not the right one. Uh, yeah. So too much aftershave. I think, um, yeah, I think again, like wearing too many colours as well, and, and knowing what sort of colours work work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know, especially if you've got lighter skin uh, and lighter hair, you know, you sort of go, you can get away with more of the uh, the pastel colours, the pinks, and and things like that. Where, uh, for example, myself, light light skin, darker hair, it's sort of more of the solid colours, sort of the navy blues, the blacks, the whites. Uh, so yeah, so I, again, I think too many colors and, and it, and I think, you know, I always tell guys that just a couple of key things is if you are going to wear, say brown shoes, try and get a brown, you know, belt to match. And I always find that just something so simple like that can really, you know, make a difference and make everything flow. Yeah. I notice sometimes when I drive past, um, Randwick race course, on uh, the events and you'll see a lot of young people sort of, well, actually this is, but this is on the way in. I won't talk about what it looks like on at the end of the event when people have sort of got their shoes off and there's all sorts of, <laughs> everyone's looking very disheveled, but you notice a lot of people that have got badly fitting jackets and it doesn't matter whether you buy a Brioni suit or a Tom Ford suit and it costs you a million bucks. If it doesn't fit you properly, it's always going to look like rubbish. And I just see it done <laughs> so often. Mm. Absolutely. And look, as I say, I, I've, I have been lucky because of what I've done, you know, on, on TV and stuff where I, I got given these amazing uh, tailored suits. But you, you don't have to spend a fortune. You can go and, and buy a relatively cost-effective suit and then just get someone to tailor it in for you. You know, you, you, there is something for every budget. Um, but, yeah, just, just something that really fits the body, hugs the body. It, 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 it makes you feel good, but, again, it, it, it does make a yeah. good first impression. What's your uh, what's your stance on spray tan, Stephen? For men, Oh, uh, spray tans. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not, not a big fan. I just again, I, it depends. Like when I was living in England, I uh, did a lot with the Only Way is Essex. Some of the guys there and and <laughs> just looked ridiculous. It was just so orange. But I know it can be, you know, it can be done tastefully, and you know, and again, it goes back to that Friends episode. I still laugh about it. With, <laughs> with Ross and he keeps turning around and he gets darker and darker on one side. Uh, but yeah, I spray tans. I think, yeah, some of the, 
the the lotions and and things like that i think can be can be quite good if you want to just add that little bit extra color <laughs> i think i don't know spray tans in general they can look really bad can't they just like you see it on the palms and sort of in the fingers and it just looks horrible on, on a woman or a man i don't know yeah well, it's not a big fan well you know it, it smells it's like it, a biscuity it, it, smell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you sort of mentioned that the cologne thing. I think it's a good point. I, I, I believe that women have a, a better sense of smell than men. So if what you think is probably the right amount is probably too much for the female nose. Probably. Would you, yeah. would you, would you agree with that, Stephen, or am I oversimplifying? Well, I totally agree with you, actually. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think, yeah, again, less is more, right? And I think again where i think guys go wrong is they they spray spray their clothes with it but again it should always just you know have a little bit on the skin you know on on the neck region there and but guys that put it on their you know their shirts and their suits they start to sweat and then it just starts to yeah ugh, starts to smell it's it's not good yeah my missus is like a bloodhound if i put too many <laughs> sprays on she can tell from the other end of the house he's like no nope, too much too much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go in the shower. Yeah, scrub it exactly. Off. Yeah. I don't know, if, uh, Stephen, if you've ever come across a guy called Jeremy Fragrance. He's got his own <laughs> YouTube channel. He's no. quite funny. Check him out. I'm going to try and get him on the podcast because I think it'll be a great podcast. He's, he's a, I don't know what the word is, a perfumologist or, or a, a smellologist. I don't know what the word is, but he's very funny, um, but also an expert in perfumes and aftershaves. So check him out. Yeah. And um, he's got some good tips. He will say to put it on the pulse points. So, right. yeah, yep. because that that's the whole point. That's how it's sort of going to be transmitted. But, uh, yeah, what, what aftershave do you wear out of interest? Uh, that's actually, um, that's a very good question. I think I'm wearing Issey Miyake at the moment. Oh, it's a favorite um, of mine. Yeah, I love that. I just love saying it. Like, a girl goes, oh, what are you wearing? I say, Issey Miyake. You know? <laughs> it's got a, a ring tight to it. Sounds sophisticated. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always a that's always a good one. So, uh, I th I've done the Hugo Boss one before. That's that's pretty good. Uh, I I was actually a, a judge for three years for the uh, OK magazine. Uh, in it was their awards, and every year I'd get a huge box of products, and it was so good. And I used to try all these different aftershaves, all these different razors and beard trimmers and uh, yeah it was it was awesome but yeah there was a lot of good ones coming out but there's some pretty horrible ones as well it's, mm. it's amazing there's still brands out there doing the old old spice you know that real strong old spice smell. and uh, jupe yeah. and cold uh, cool water you still smell those cool occasionally water. Wow. yeah you'll still occasionally <laughs> sure. those scents never leave you they're just like they're embedded in your brain that just like, reminds me of like being about 13 on the school bus <laughs> Just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the story of that? Because, I mean, you want to have a cologne that smells good, but you don't want to smell like everyone else. So it's it's sort of like when you find a good one, you don't want to tell anyone what you're wearing because otherwise everyone else is going to go and get it. Yeah, that's true. That's true, actually. Yeah, and I think they also talk about daytime smells and, and yeah. evening smells, yeah. you know. Like, you know, it one's lighter um possibly during the day and once you know slightly more stronger in, in the evening but yeah it's I, I i had one that was just awesome and then yeah i was reluctant to tell too many people <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god where can i buy it and i was like 
Uh, I don't think you can buy it. I think it's they've changed. It's custom enough. made. This one's I got it custom made. I got made. it from Azerbaijan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Five people died making this cologne. I can't possibly I can't possibly <laughs> yeah. give you the formula. Tom Ford Tom Ford <laughs> right. make a good range of colognes as well. Expensive, but good. Which one? Tom Tom Ford. Yeah, he makes a, a great range of yeah. uh, colognes. Tom yeah. Ford off. Oh, love love that brand. I, yeah, again, it's. I don't think I could afford it. I remember trying on a jacket in Beverly Hills when I was living out in LA, and and I tried on this jacket. I was like, I've got to get this, and then it was like <laughs> like seven, eight thousand US dollars, I think, for the jacket. And I was like, one day, one day. Come on, Stephen, you're in TV. You can afford it. Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just tell Sky to bump up the the the, the, the clothes budget. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got to I got to find the the farming channel over here in New Zealand now that maybe <laughs> might uh, sponsor me for that. So, <laughs> fair enough. Now, another question that I guess it's uh, slightly interesting: Do you think that social media has the same influence on men as as well as women, or are men? I don't know how to put this. Less guided by by things like that. Yeah, I think. Look, I think it's a generation thing again. I mean, I I was sort of. More of a traditionalist when it came to you know TV, blogging, writing, uh, radio, but you know that younger generation are so good at social media, and I think you know that that younger generation, you know, uh, twenty five and below. I mean, I, I think it's the same. Men and women uh, are just as influenced as each other. I think the the sort of more mature market. I I probably think you know women are more sort of influenced uh, with what's what's going on on social media. Uh, I think, I don't know, I just see a lot more women that are just have always got that phone attached to them and guys are more sort of around, well, for me, I, I like a phone for answering calls. I'm I, Again, I'm a little bit more archaic. I've, I've got social media, you know, I've had people manage it for me and stuff. I just, I just find having my head in a, in a phone all the time. It's just, it's, it's, yeah because we're, we're, we're working all the time. And now that I've got, you know, again, this virtual uh, software product, you know, I'm, I'm always doing Zooms. I'm always online. So again, the last thing I want to do is be on my you know phone doing social media. But yeah, I look, I, I think again, depending on, you know, for fashion, I think, you know, it's great Instagram, you know, men, you can, you can get so many great tips. You can see so many cool designs, things that are more visual. I think, you know, again, appeal to to the to the male market as well as you know, you know, the female market as well. But yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question properly. But no, that's fair. And I think there are some stats to say that also YouTube is yeah more male. A, more, well, I don't know about more. Well, probably equal with women, but more men are on there versus, yes. like you said, you know, just your simple social media apps because it's visual. They don't have to read. It's instant gratification, and it's just different medium, I guess. So getting back to clinics um, and the aesthetic market, and Jake's probably got more of an idea in the statistic than I do that, you know, probably 90 to, depending on your clinic, probably 90 to 95% of the clientele that that sort of walk through the door are female. And I know that the male market is growing, but do you have any tips for clinics out there in terms of how they can sort of advertise or present their clinics to attract a a greater number of male clients to to their businesses? Yeah, the, the clients, you know, the, our clients that have got a really strong male uh, database is the ones that have really sort of, I suppose, been quite clever in terms of their marketing, number one. So on their website, on their brochures, they actually have separate brochures uh, for, for males. So, I mean, 
you don't. Ha- I mean, you can be gen- gender neutral in your in your coloring uh, in terms of your, you know your branding and, and the colors you use. But again, I think specific branding, specific messaging as well, but also a way to start attracting more males into the into the uh, practice. I've seen a, a lot of clinics start doing these open evenings, and they run these promotions that obviously the wife will talk about it with their husband to say, "Oh, look." You know, um, this clinic says if I bring you in, you know, you get fifty percent off, or you get a free, you know, skin skin peel, or you get a, a free skin treatment, and just enticing the males in through the female influence. I find that has helped clinics really sort of grow that that male market. Um, also, I think with on on the male side, you know it goes back to the design of, of the clinic. And I know it's not always feasible to be able to do that. Again, colors think again, you can be gen- more gender neutral, but the the clinics I see that have a certain area of their, their business, which has is more dedicated to males. And I know you've, you've heard it's a bit of a stereotype, but it, it does work. And, and again, I see this more in America, but, you know, with the sports TVs, they've got the sport, you know, they've got the, the men's magazines. There's an area there where it's just, they've got the cabinets full of male products and they've really sort of dedicated areas within that space for the male, for the male market. And I see, you know, with males, they are a very loyal group. And I know a lot of the clinics that do have males have always commented this said, well, males have been really loyal to us and they they do like spending money but they just don't like to be confused with too many options mm. so if you can get the mail they are you know worth you know a lot uh, within the clinic I will say and I don't know how to say this delicately having male products to me is a little bit I get it. It's marketing. It's going to attract them and might smell more manly or be sort of marketed in a manly way. A bit like the, do you remember the Lynx adverts where (laughs) it was all about trying to get men to smell nice, but you know, vitamin A is vitamin A, vitamin C is vitamin C and moisturizer, moisturizer. So I guess if it's branded differently, but got the same good stuff inside, I've got nothing against that. But if it's not, then <laughs> I've got a problem with that. So yeah, and you know, and I guess it just depends on picking a good brand. So um, so I it's think got it maybe a little bit different as well. So in in that you know inside the aesthetic clinic, you really have their attention. I suppose where it works more on the you know that as I say the stereotype of a of a skincare bottle being black. You know, mm. dirt for men. You know, was a was a brand that uh, you know was coming out in in Australia for the aesthetic side, but. Again, when guys are, say, in a supermarket or a pharmacy or when they're shopping on their own, they're probably more attracted to that. Of course. But we know, working in the aesthetic space, that, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and a lot of the bottles are sort of very gender neutral. And you guys would have the time to explain the benefits of men wearing vitamin C or vitamin B and, and peptides, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think, yeah, it, it does. it's not so important, I suppose, mm-hmm. if you have their attention than if it was, you know, them walking around themselves without any explanation. Yeah, 100%. So where do you think the, before we get on to my face, my body and your, your virtual clinics, which I do want to talk about, is where do you think the male market's moving in the next three to five years in terms of treatments, I guess, percentage of the market that is male? Yeah, look, I again, I think, you know, the percentages within the aesthetic clinic, I think, 
it will probably grow. I think it'll grow at, I would say it'll go between again, like what you probably your experience is around that 10%. I see a lot in, in America and, and the UK, the 20, I'd say it might grow to about 30% for those that really focus on, on the male market. But what I'm seeing a lot more at the moment is these dedicated male centers and they are popping up a lot more, but they are offering a lot of services where they start off, it might be just a barber, and then they 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 go out and they say, well, let's do um, you know cutthroat shaves. Let's now offer skincare. Let's now bring in one of you guys as an aesthetic expert. And and so I think there's going to be a lot more sort of I see a lot more dedicated um, male uh, types of uh, locations, but just within the clinics that that you guys run and 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 other people that are listening on this, I think you know I think more and more men. Will will be more confident and be more willing to try, you know these these new treatments. And we've already started to see it with body sculpting, you know, again with you know the fillers and the you know the the toxins and things like that. So I, I see that growing quite substantially. The non surgical side, um, surgical seems to, you know, stay pr- pretty pretty steady. Um, I know, you know, I think <clears throat> the more these these companies innovate in terms of their technologies with the devices and the more they get, you know, better results and better outcomes for patients. I really believe, you know, that is going to encourage a lot sort of more men to try things out uh, rather than, you know, obviously the surgical side. Perfect. Now to pivot onto a different sort of topic, your website, well, it started as a website and then you developed an awards um, sort of uh, annual ceremony, et cetera, my face, my body. So how did that, start and when did it start and and what does it broadly offer yeah my face my body we sort of as i say we grew it out it was it's it's currently a consumer education website uh where we're sort of very well known in the aesthetic global community is our my face my body awards so we ran our award ceremonies for uh it's about 10 years uh so we we ran these big beautiful uh gala events and we were always very much trying to push for that high end so we had, you know, the most expensive hotels in London, Beverly Hills, and then we did it for three years in Sydney. And we really sort of wanted to reward uh, those practices for customer excellence uh, to really showcase those up and coming sort of doctors, uh, practitioners that are really doing something quite different. And then also recognizing brands for, for innovation. Two years ago, we went into uh doing it virtually because we wanted to tap into a much more broader global market because there was a lot more sort of uh, clinics saying, well, why, why can't you do it for us? So we have about 32 countries that participate. And so we have an international judging panel. We're very, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are, are you know, creating awards programs that have sort of ruined, ruined it really a little bit for those that are more genuine because they're out there. And I, I mean, I get, I've had three emails in the last year of people saying how won an award. And I, and I, I have no <laughs> idea what I've won an award for. They're saying I'm a sell on and, and it's sort of, you know, it's ruined it, but we've, we've always prided ourselves in having an international judging panel. We used to do a lot of mystery shopping, secret shopping with practices. So yeah, so the awards, um, we're taking a break this year. We'll probably bring it back uh, next, next year. Uh, we had the, um, a number of publications as well, a very luxury publications called the Ultimate One Hundred, 
the Ultimate Beauty Guide. Uh, we ran that for about sort of four or five years. We're not doing it. Um, we've sort of sort of ceased that now. Uh, just because our major focus has really been around our uh, virtual event software that uh, and experience software with working with aesthetic societies, brands, clinics, spas, and 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 all of that. Uh, but yeah, the book was was beautiful. Again, it was distributed um, all across Australia, UK, US, and we created something called the Medical Business Academy. Again, we've got a number of practices uh, that are on it. Um, it's Again, it's it's a program where we go in and secret shop all of the clinics. They get these reports. Um, it gets put into a calculator that measures the revenue uh, losses and also the potential revenue growth in a practice. Um, and then there's this e-learning that sort of gets gets followed up. Um, but yeah, the, I suppose the most exciting part for us was before COVID, uh, we launched the very first global virtual aesthetic summit. And everyone thought I was a bit nuts when I did it, but everyone that knows me in, in the aesthetic sector is, or when I try and test something out, I do it on a very, very large scale. And, and so we put together this huge global virtual conference. It was in multi-languages. We had you know, thousands of practi- aesthetic practitioners uh, attend from 32 different countries. We had about 100 vendors. Um, it was big. And we literally planned, We no one had done one. So we really had to map out. It was really by chance on how people were going to react to it and it went really really well and then uh covid hit and then <laughs> we had was still doing the the second conference and so we we, we did two two events last year we did a um a gvas conference early this year but with the demand of what's going on i think again we're sort of gonna just pull back on our own conference and we're working with a lot of the big aesthetic societies uh like the American Dermatology Society, with the Filipino um, Aesthetic Societies, and we're helping them run uh, their events, uh, their conferences. But uh, the exciting thing is now we're working with lots of corporate brands, so you'll know a lot of the big names, the Sinashores, the Allegans, the BTLs, and all of those companies are using our software. Uh, again, everyone was uh, got used to meeting software, virtual software like Zoom, Teams, and things like that. Well, now people are transit, transiting to, they still want virtual. And I think now that physical's gone back, it's great. And it's it hasn't really affected our business because I think people now appreciate more what you can do virtually and the benefits of it in terms of you know uh, time and cost. And so a lot of corporate companies, they set up these virtual uh, headquarters so they can take real life photographs or use our animated um, templates and they can actually build out uh, where they connect all of their current software. So Zoom could be Salesforce. They connect all their software up with our virtual experience platform. And so some of these guys like Hydrofacial, you know, they are putting together these amazing hybrid events where they're running physical and virtual together, virtual training. Uh, you know, we're now linking into merchandising. So a lot of the e-commerce stores we're linking in so people can uh, link in and have a much more interactive experience. So they come into the, the skincare shop, you can click on the shelf. So it might be anti-aging and then it would connect with your uh, e-commerce store. But again, all of this stuff that we're creating is quite quite new. There's not really um, a lot out there what people are, are doing. Um, we've just brought on a sports academy where uh, it was an Australian guy. He's in Thailand. 
he's in with all the the sports clubs like Chelsea, Barcelona, Madrid, and they're all wanting to market in Asia because they got hit by by COVID and they're wanting to sell their merchandise, sell their uh, workshops and classes. Where we're building a virtual stadium, a football stadium, where they're all going to connect, connect, and they're all going to network, and consumers are going to come in and purchase and buy. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's super exciting. So it's uh, so for us, yeah, the whole virtual uh, part is where we're sort of again focusing the business and. And I suppose that it just leads me on to the virtual clinic. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of aesthetic practices and spas that are now uh, coming on board and, and using our virtual clinic software where it's almost like it's all about engagement, education, and conversion. And so this virtual clinic is like an extension to your website where you can create and upload your own photography from your practice or you can use our animated templates but you can set up a, a virtual um, waiting room, treatment rooms where people can engage with, you know, for example, you might set up a treatment room for body sculpting. So versus a static website page on your website versus an interactive page where people look like they're in a virtual treatment room and you can click on videos before and after photos. You know, our clients are getting three times the conversion rate uh, from an interactive type of experience versus something static. But it all really comes down to clinics now are driving a lot of revenue. And during COVID, the real smart practices, they were doing Zooms with their existing database mm. and they were educating and educating sort of the new advertising. And so what we've done is we've uh, enabled clinics to link in with their current software like Zoom or Teams. And so you go through the, the virtual clinic. It's very cool. You go into the waiting area, you can check out you know, the different treatment rooms, the marketing, and then you can attend these patient events that clinics are putting on. And the difference between just doing a Zoom and having it in a virtual room is you listen to a webinar and it's great. And the clinic goes, look, if you're interested in these particular treatments, go onto our website or email us, but you lose a lot of people doing that because they get distracted, right? So within the virtual rooms, you have these call to action buttons like book a consultation, um, it links to your skincare or, you know, redeem this voucher or it connects with your calendar booking system. And so the results have been just awesome. And again, just to give you a couple of, of great case studies, one clinic had uh, 28 RSVPs to the event, 25 turned up, 18 booked treatments. Um, they paid off half of the device. Uh, it was an in-mode device and they actually purchased another device because of the buzz around their virtual event. Uh, other clinics, again, you know, getting triple their sales, even from a physical patient event. So, yeah, again, if you are or if you have experience, you know, doing patient events, you know, try virtual um, events in your own branded virtual clinics because at the at the moment it's it's extremely powerful and it's all about converting patients, especially our existing ones that unfortunately we get so busy and focused on the new patients and forget about our existing clients. So, you know, getting them in there, educating them, and then it just becomes a way to cross-sell and upsell services mm. and stuff. So, wow. yeah. That's that's quite interesting. And, and in terms of how clinics um, get involved in, uh, I guess, do they go to the website? What are they looking at in terms of cost? If they've got an event coming up, like what sort of lead time? What do you need from them? Because I'm sure there's a lot of clinics going, oh, that sounds pretty cool, but how do I do it? 
Yeah, so it's um, we've made it extremely cost-effective. So it's $99 US a month. Right. Um, and then they can, as I say, run as many events as they want. Uh, and again, the way um, we'll help them set up. So we have, again, pretty minimal cost, $150 to set up um, the sort of the basics of the clinic. And then if they want to add more rooms on, then they can do that. And, you know, again, we'll just, they just add to their subscription. But for a lot of clinics for $99, they can do a lot of what they need to do. And they just, uh, again, they go on to V slash unite, U-N-I-T-E.com. Uh, or they can email me, you know, Stephen with a PH at V slash unite.com uh, as well, if they're interested in finding out some more information, but you can go onto the V Unite website and check out all the case studies and, and see it for yourself, how people are designing their virtual clinics out and, and what sort of results that they're getting from it. So how bespoke is it? Could you actually sort of walk through what your clinic actually looks like, or is it just a template? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. So what we've done is it's a completely self-service platform. And so you can, literally go into your platform again we'll help you set it up but you can go in and you can upload a photo of your outside of your clinic and then we've got a full editing suite in the back so you can drag and drop banners in you hotspots you can um, create virtual rooms as i say based on your own photography drop in the banners or hotspots and you can make the banners do a number of things right so if it's a hanging banner that drops from the ceiling that could start a video or it could open up a gallery where you can put all your before and after photos. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty clever. And I, that's where I see the future as I see a lot of the brands as well. Like um, we just did a really cool thing with hydrofacial and Sinusure where they've got these really impressive facilities and they're uploading their actual facilities to the platform so people have that real life experience it's an extension to what you're doing physically mm -hmm. in your clinics um, but again it also gives you the ability to actually generate revenue outside your normal office hours as well right because you could run these patient events virtually you could do more of them and start generating you know revenue through that i don't know in australia what you're doing with you know virtual consultations i know that was a, a big thing you know, during COVID, but a lot of practices are still doing virtual consults as well as physical consults. And then again, they can link the software like Zoom or, or telemedicine into a very cool virtual room. They've got their avatar in there with a virtual desk with all the medical certificates up there. I know you guys like to have <laughs> lots of certificates on the wall <laughs> and you go in there and it connects with, you know, your Zoom and you can, you can literally do your, your, your virtual consults from the rooms as well. So interesting yeah yeah you should do it joe <laughs> well it's not my clinic so <laughs> i'll have to speak to charles yeah. see what he says but no I, I, it's like another extended touch point you know like you said most clinics would at best do some mass marketing where they email everyone most of it goes to their spam uh you know the patient spam folder they never read it or if they do open it they don't act on anything and it's a bit of a waste of time so it's kind of like you know, the next generation marketing stroke e-commerce. It's just a bit of a bit of a mixture, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I, I really believe it's, you know, we just bombarded with so many so much advertising. And I think if you can add value to people's lives in some way, and and I think, you know, with what you guys are doing, you know, you're very 
you know, again, you come across so well. And again, by putting together videos and they don't have to be live. I mean, you know, 90, 95% of uh, clinics or brands will pre-record. And so what we say is that, you know, the really organized ones could schedule out a whole 12 month content calendar where, you know, in January, it's the new you. So you might be covering, and these are five, maybe five to 15 minutes. You don't want to go over 15 minutes and it could be around body sculpting, right? And, or the February could be skin health. And so you're doing that really cool educational piece. And then there's got to be some sort of offer or at the end of it um, and getting them to say book a consultation and getting them to do it within a two hour period, for example. So you really do make it run like an event. And in your virtual clinic in the waiting area, you can, one of the clinics, she's done 20 events. She has a check-in process. So people check into the event. And then she says, if people turn up, she'll run a prize on social media that they can they can win if they turn up to the actual event, you know? So Brilliant. Uh, lots, lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Wow. So you're a man, you're a man of many talents, many projects. Very, <laughs> very exciting. I don't know how, how you have time to, uh, to have come to come and have a chat with us, but we really appreciate you taking no, the no, time. Um, so how do people, uh, get in contact? I know you've just told us all about the, uh, virtual, virtual clinic, but how do they get in contact with you for all the other things that you do? What's the best way? Email? Not social media? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Well, I do have a virtual office, so people go through an elevator and come to my virtual office and can book a meeting there. But um, yeah, just it's Stephen with a ph at myfacemybody.com. Um, or again, it's it's Stephen at v-unite.com. So yep. both ways you can contact me. Go onto my face, my body, check out what we do um, across, you know, the awards magazines. If you want to get involved with the awards, you know, we probably will be, I'm doing a global one again uh, next year. So uh, make sure you get involved with that because, you know, getting awards uh, the right way and getting that exposure is just does so much for your brand and, and you know, reputation. Yeah. And you also run a podcast as well. Yes, we run uh, a podcast as well. So again, it's it's focused on, on business, business initiatives. Um, so again, go onto My Face, My Body. You can see the podcast channel there as well as all the, the fun, interesting things I did on my TV shows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can see Stephen so, jumping out of a plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Really appreciate your time, Stephen. Thank you for the insights. Hopefully the men listening or even the women listening can inspire their partners and, and male friends to start looking after themselves a bit better. We're so. all going to become ridiculously good looking. <laughs> can, can we get better? <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> Apparently so. Thanks, buddy. For our latest news, upcoming guests, and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions, or guest requests. 